Humor is a good way to break the ice. It helps loosen up the atmosphere and help somebody receive what you're trying to say. This is just one of many things that I learned from L.J. Harry, who is our special guest on today's episode of the Noteworthy Podcast. L.J. Harry is Andrea's husband, McKenna and Rayleigh's dad, and the pastor of Apostolic Church in Mount Vernon, Ohio, since 2011. He's also served as editor of the Inside Out articles. He actually has a brand new article out right now that you're going to want to go read. He's preached at things like North American Youth Congress. You might know him from your camp meeting, your youth camp that he preached in your district. Most people know who Brother LJ is because he's an incredible man of God, and he is so humble about it. We talk about everything from ministry, books, to preaching. He tells us about a preaching format he uses called Hook, Book, Look, Took. You're going to want to keep listening to see what that's all about. Thank you so much to my good friend L.J. Harry, and uh, he has a podcast called Simplify, Go subscribe right now because after hearing our conversation today, you're going to want to go listen to his podcast and be blessed by that. Thank you so much, Brother Harry, for being a guest on the show. Let's dive right in. Thanks for tuning in today. Hello, friend. Hello, Brother LJ Harry. How you doing, brother? I'm well, thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Man, thank you so much uh, for being a part today. Um, this is really exciting for me, actually. This you are my very first remote interview, uh, <laughs> meaning that awesome. Uh, you're in Ohio, I'm in Georgia, and yet God has blessed us to get to have this conversation today. <laughs> so I'm very thankful. Well, I'm glad to get to do it. Yes, sir. So, um, but man, uh, so honored. Thanks for being on the podcast. And uh, how, how's your family doing? Everybody's good. Thank you. Last day of school yesterday, so the girls were exulting today not to have to wake up at 6.30. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Absolutely. They slept in until 6.45, so that was exciting for them and me. <laughs> Man, you guys in Ohio, you just sleep so late. It's unbelievable. <laughs> we are we are a lazy bunch. <laughs> well, man, uh, it's, it's just an honor. I've, I've been a longtime admirer of your ministry, uh, and I remember the first time I met you here in Georgia, you preached our teen camp a few years ago, and our teenagers were just forever impacted by your ministry. And and brother, I'm so thankful that our paths crossed. Um, well, thank I, you. I appreciate that. I, I want to jump right in, uh, and and I want to tell people about your new podcast um, called Simplify, and yes. it's a part of my weekly routine now. <laughs> and, oh, uh, thanks, man. My my only com- uh, uh, complaint about the podcast is a selfish one, and that is I wish it were longer, because every time it's over, I think, man, I, I could have used some more of the Simplify podcast today. <laughs> oh, thanks, Nathan. Well, I appreciate that. But uh, tell us a little bit about what inspired this podcast and devotional called Simplify. Uh, great question. i I've always wanted to write. Brother Johnston, who was my professor at Gateway, taught me if you want to impact a generation, preach. If you want to impact generations, write. So I've always wanted to write. And I didn't know exactly what to write, 
but since 2008, I have served as the editor for our district magazine, The Ohio Apostolic News, and I've written an editorial each month in that magazine that's basically a simplified devotional, or devotion, rather. So I thought about compiling them into a book, which basically birthed the book or the devotional Simplify. Man, I love that. I I wish I had a I'm going to have to get a hard copy. I've been listening through the podcast, but I would love to have a hard copy. How do we get our hands on that hard copy of the uh, devotion? Pentecostal Publishing House sells them. They're on pentecostalpublishing.com and they sell them in print and on Kindle. And I think it's an ebook, it doesn't have to be Kindle per se, but they do sell a digital copy of it. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. So um, how has the the podcast journey been going for you? I know as uh, firsthand, it can be a process um, making that happen. How's that been going for you? I really enjoyed the journey. I was inspired to do the podcast by Adam Shaw, who has an outstanding podcast called The Restorationist. Yes. And I've always, I've, oh yeah, I've always admired Adam. He's young, much younger than I am, and yet incredibly intelligent cerebral, a thinker. But what I love about Adam is not just that he's so intelligent, he is so apostolic. Yes, sir. And he does he does not sacrifice truth on the altar of intellect. Wow. And I love to listen to his podcast. So he I called him and asked him how to get started, if it's if it's even a viable option, if it's something that I should look into, and he encouraged me to do so. So I got the necessary equipment which was remarkably inexpensive, found a sure SM58 microphone around the church we weren't using anymore, and bada-bing, bada-boom, the <laughs> podcast was born. You know, and, it's fact, amazing how how affordable it is now to create something like this. It really is. And today, in fact, when I came into the office, I was excited to get here because I was going to record the podcast for the following week to launch on Sunday. So typically I'll record it on Thursday or Friday, schedule it for Sunday, and Man. it launches automatically Sunday morning at 8 a.m. So I, I really enjoy. What what a great day, just filled with podcasting. And <laughs> it is, yeah, that's right. Podcast in the morning, podcast in the afternoon. <laughs> And podcast at night. That's amazing, man. Well, I am a a fan, and uh, I guess uh, once the devotion, the devotional is over, are you going to keep the podcast going with other content? I think so. I, in fact, I was teaching on Wednesday nights in our chapel a series called "Tough Questions to Ask About God." Questions like, "Why is there suffering? Is there really only one way to God?" Why would a loving God send anybody to hell? Some of those questions that people who are struggling with faith or even people who claim to have no faith, atheist, agnostic, who are struggling with what to believe or whom to believe would ask those kinds of questions. So I went one by one, and I certainly don't claim to have all the answers, but hopefully gave a both a biblical and logical explanation and answer for those questions. So I'm thinking about once Simplify is finished, about doing a podcast based on that content. Now, that would be much longer because these devotions are just basically quick 600 words, usually last about five or six minutes long. But that would be more of like a a Bible study type, 40, 45 minute type content. Man, I would love that. I, you know, I highly uh, 
encourage you to do that. Just, you know, I would love to hear that. And it's amazing how many apostolics are doing a podcast now. Matter of fact, I I started this podcast uh, just at the end of last year. And then I started noticing people like you and Adam Shaw. And I thought, man, these are like these incredible men of God are doing podcasts. And so what I decided to do is interview those incredible men of God so my podcast could be better. <laughs> so, oh, so, <laughs> Nathan, that's funny. So I'm thankful. That's funny. I'm thankful, man. Um, so I am such a fan of your preaching, and I, I want to shift gears a little bit here. Uh, sure. Our audience uh, in, includes a lot of aspiring ministers, um, especially a lot of youth ministry. And I know that you've been highly involved in youth ministry. Um, matter of fact, earlier today, I was reading your Inside Out article on the UPCI Ministries website. The uh, uh, It's Inside Out, right? Am I saying that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, Inside Out. Yes, sir. And I was reading about uh, your experience at camp, and, and I love that. Oh, I, yes. Uh, for anybody listening, you can go check that out on the UPCI uh, youth Ministries website, and he talks about his songwriting abilities, which I I highly enjoyed. <laughs> they're they're pretty epic. So I, I haven't quite seen the album yet. My producer tells me it's in production, but it's been in production now for oh, I'd say somewhere around twenty six years. So I don't know. I'm thinking maybe they're just trying to let me down easy. <laughs> well. I, I'll be the first to buy it when it comes out, brother. Oh, I'm, well, I'm excited. I, I appreciate that. It'll it'll come out on eight track or maybe even vinyl. <laughs> well, I'm not well, sure which well, format. I know that um, a lot of people that are entering preaching ministry uh, listen to this podcast, and we're very thankful for that. And your messages are so thought provoking, and they always have humor woven throughout them. And uh, I remember. One specifically at our Georgia teen camp was God listens to lads, and I, I'll just never forget as the, um, you know, I have the honor to serve on the Section 5 uh, Youth Committee, and uh, seeing those young people come to the altar and give their life to God that night was an incredible thing. Um, and so, would you mind sharing your sermon prep process and what steps do you take before approaching the pulpit? Oh, that's a great question. Personally, I obviously, this is all, a lot of this part of it is a given, but I pray, ask the Lord for direction. I want to, I want to speak what he wants me to speak, not just what I want to speak. So right. with that as a given, my first step typically is the introduction and i want the introduction to be memorable so usually i will try to tell a story most of the time it's a funny one and the reason i like to tell something that's either just overtly funny or covertly is because if i'm speaking to an audience with whom i'm not familiar and they're not familiar with me that humor will help break down the walls that i'm not just some guy up there preaching for a paycheck but right. i really am a person and I want to break down that wall between preacher and listener so they realize before I'm a preacher, I am a person. So I tell a lot of stories that I, I don't know anybody better than I know me, and I've known me for 40 years now. So I have a lot of of just things that I've done in my past that are just either silly, crazy, or just <laughs> yeah. borderline should be criminal, but thankfully <laughs> or not. Praise God. 
So yes, so I, I like to tell those. And I've when I first started preaching, I used to use a big, thick book called the Encyclopedia of 7,700 Illustrations. So if I was preaching about miracles, I would look up the word miracles and try to find a canned illustration. And there's nothing wrong with those, except for many times those just don't relate. I don't have the, I can't say what the character in that story was really feeling or thinking because I wasn't there, wasn't inside their head. So I like to tell one usually that has to do with my family or some somebody I know. If I don't have anything like that, then I will try to find an illustration that may be canned, but hopefully will be relevant and will be relatable. And if I don't have anything there, then a lot of times I will just try to tell what I call paint the passage. And I'll try to tell the Bible story in a way that is not just in our text tonight we read, but that tries to paint that Bible passage in an interesting way thought-provoking, memorable sort of way. So those are kind of my three introduction ways to, to do that. From there, I like to go on to the actual Bible story. I've, I've sat in services before where a guy would read his text, he reads from Luke 22, and and in the very beginning, it spends 30 minutes in Genesis. And in my mind, I'm thinking, right, we got a long way to go to get to Luke, bud. <laughs> so I do like to get into it right away, to the book part of the message or the Bible part of the message. And then I like to, from there, go into some application. So it's more than just, this is what the Bible said, but this is how the Bible teaches we need to live and how we need to apply it. And usually, right before I close, I will like I introduce what I call a commercial. And I learned this from Brother Dugas at Gateway College. He taught us that we need to just throw this something like this in in order to keep attention. So it could be another illustration, another story, just briefly to make sure our listeners are listening before we get to the very end in the altar call. And then after that, give the altar call with very specific instructions on what I want the hearers to do as a result of that message. It's a, a format that is known as hook, book, look, took. Hook is the illustration of the introduction. Book is the Bible part of it. Look is the application. This is what I need to do with it. And took is this is what I'm going to do with it right now, the altar call. Wow. So that's in a, in a quick nutshell, that's my sermon preparation to get ready for a message to preach, whether in my home church here or at a youth camp. That's awesome, brother. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I know that that's going to be extremely helpful. I'll I'll never forget uh, the very first time I preached. I was just a teenager, and I don't know what I was doing up there anyways, <laughs> but, but I'll never forget sitting down looking at the blank canvas of my note paper and, and trying to figure out what to say and how to say it. And so thank you for sharing that with us. Um, You're welcome. You preached uh, North American Youth Congress. Was it in 2015? Am I getting that year yes. right? Okay. Yes, yes. And sadly, I couldn't be there that year. I was I was at the 2017 uh, NAYC, but I heard such amazing things about your ministry that week. And uh, I, I heard that, that God really used you in a mighty way. I wish I could have been there. Uh, but what is it like speaking in front of that many people? And uh, you've always seemed to be super involved in this event. What was it like being a part of that? Well, the it was a real treat for me because 
I have been involved a lot on the IT side of things. For many years, I've been helping out at Youth Congress with sermon graphic design or projecting words on the screen, that kind of thing. So to see a preacher come by and say, hey, here's my jump drive, these are my graphics, or these are my cue points or whatever, it was like, wow, that'd be cool to to actually switch places with the preacher and say, hey, hey, here are my graphics, here are my, you know. So when that opportunity came, it was a huge honor. What's interesting, I really didn't know what to expect up until that point. I think the largest crowd to whom I had spoken was probably maybe close to a thousand. And that was at Louisiana youth camp, but it was during the day service. So it might've been like 700 or so. What I have found though is it is more difficult. Now that's going to sound weird to people who have never preached to a large crowd, but it is more difficult to preach a youth service to 10 students than it is youth Congress to 6,000 during that day session because with 10 typically i'm only 10 feet away five feet away maybe and i and all of them are right there i can see their eyes i can see their expressions i can see when they yawn i I can see when they get up and walk out with six thousand during that day session i couldn't see any faces per se i could just see kind of shadowy silhouettes of people and i could hear a smattering of applause here and there or clap or maybe kind of make out somebody might have stood from their seat but it was very easy to just kind of look into the crowd but not really see response or or if that that point really resonated with somebody or if it didn't so on one hand it's more difficult to speak to a small crowd in a small room because you can see all the reaction, but on the other hand, you can know when you're connecting. In a, group, in a crowd like that with Youth Congress, the only way really to know you're connecting is if you start to hear some response or you you start to kind of feel that, yeah, that point landed. Yeah. But aside, aside from that, it's it, it was pretty exciting to address that many students and to have an influence in the lives of that many students. That, that's that's amazing, brother. I I'm always fascinated um, to talk to people about that. I was um, uh, a, a few weeks ago. It's actually been in January. Brother Landon Gore preached a youth service for us here in Georgia, and I was talking to him about the prayer that he did at North American Youth Congress and he, in 2017. And he was telling me that. It's amazing when you're up there that you can't always really hear what's going on. So you can't always tell how it landed. And he didn't know until after the fact how powerful that moment was. So Yes, exactly. You just hope that you've prayed, you've believed God, you've prepared, and you're going to give it your best and trust God to do with it what only he can do. Wow. Well, now, uh, you serve as pastor at is it Apostolic Christian Church in Mount Vernon, Ohio? And yes. I noticed on your Facebook page, it said in your bio, former pastoral aide at Apostolic Christian Church, <laughs> former yes. associate pastor at Apostolic <laughs> Christian Church, and then pastor yes. at Apostolic Christian Church. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your journey becoming pastor there in Ohio? Yes, I moved here with my family back in 2006. This is my home church here in Mount Vernon. Wow. And in 06, moved back from Florida, from youth pastor to here. And there was already 
a pretty good stable of ministers, whether lay minister or on staff here at the church. So I didn't want to try to come in. Brother Kramer, my pastor and the pastor at the time, had talked with me about coming in to succeed him as pastor, or at least to try it out and see if we would be a fit for the church and the church would be a fit for us. So in 06, I came in and as a pastoral aide, basically whatever Brother Kramer needed help with, that was my job. And I, I worked here at the church doing that. In 10, I was appointed as the associate pastor. So it was kind of moving that responsibility from working for him to working alongside him. And then there was this unofficial co-pastor relationship that happened throughout that time until 2015 or 16 rather, when I was elected officially as the senior pastor. So it was a 10 year transition and it was all within, with the intent from the very beginning that I would in fact succeed him when he turned at that time, it was 65 that he would retire or semi-retire from pastoring day-to-day operations to being more of a bishop overseer, overseer type role. And it, it worked out quite literally just as we planned it as far as 10 years. There were still some uncertainties along the way as there is with transition and with churches and with personalities and all of that. But God had his hand on the whole thing, and I really believe he saw it through. I love uh, listening on your podcast about some of the stories and miracles that God did for you. Uh, I will refer people to your podcast because I want them to go listen. Uh, but it looks like y'all are having revival, and I rejoice with you, man. Praise God. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm grateful for what God's doing. I remember when you preached here in Georgia, and, and forgive me, my mind sometimes doesn't work, but I, I can't remember if it was two or three years ago. Um, but it was our teen camp, and I was absolutely amazed by your memory. Uh, by the end of the week, you knew everyone's name by memory. Now tell me, do you have a photographic memory, or is it just a gift God has given you? Because it really made our students feel uh, very special that week. Well, I, I don't have photographic. I. What's odd is I do remember numbers extremely well. Like I will remember people's phone numbers and license plate numbers. I've remembered license plate numbers now for 30 years. I could tell Brother Kramer's license plate number back when I was 16. So it's kind of weird like that. It's uh, Honestly, it's borderline autism in the sense that I really, really do well with numbers. When it comes to people and names, I work hard at it. It is, I believe it is a gift that the Lord has given me. But more than that, it's a desire to connect. I realize if I can connect with students by just calling them by name, it makes such an impact and a difference for them that I would care enough to know them, to know their name, and to know a little bit of their stories. So one of the ways I do that with youth camp is I'll come in, just like anybody else will come in and shake hands, you know, hey, what's your name, what's your name, what's your name? Usually I don't remember after I've gone down the row. But throughout that week, I'll start to watch and listen. I'll go whether playing basketball and I'll just watch and I'll hear one kid yell, hey, Brandon, pass me the ball, or hey, give me the ball, Landon, whatever. And so then I try to pick up the names there. That way when I'm praying with them in the altar, I can call them by night and say, Jesus, will you touch Brandon? Wow. Work with Brandon. And to him, that's I feel like that makes more of an impact than God touch this young man, whoever he is, wherever he's from, <laughs> kind right. of thing. Right. But started it. And then – 
another way I like to do that is at breakfast, I'm an early riser. We've established that in Ohio. We're super early risers. No, <laughs> but at breakfast, I like to get up and serve juice or something like that because once again, everybody's coming through the line and that gives me another chance to learn some names. So I, I really work hard at to, to remember those. I was in Louisiana for their youth camp in 08 and the youth president at the end of the week or somebody mentioned, I said, hey, oh, brother LJ was here this year. I'll tell you what, next year, if he comes back, I promise you, he's going to remember your name. He's going to remember your birthday. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, bro, don't do that to me. <laughs> no pressure. Gonna come, yeah. yeah, come back in a year and 600 kids walk up and say, okay, <laughs> what's my name? <laughs> right, right. So, Man, that was a, yeah, I, a quality I, really I highly, highly admired. Uh, and... <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. It's it's one of my worst qualities. Is I am so terrible with names. I, oh, it's awful. But God's helping me, so I'm praying for that, oh, that gift. And so, uh, yes. But I'm trying to grow into the statement: uh, "Leaders are readers." And do you have any good yes. book recommendations for our I, listeners out there? I do. I love Max Lucado. He is my favorite author because he is a storyteller extraordinaire. In fact, I'm such a Lucado groupie that – and this is another way I do sermon illustration introductions. I have gone through all of his books. I have a spreadsheet. So anytime – if I'm preaching on the woman at the well, I will go back through the Lucado book spreadsheet, and I will see that maybe in cast of characters or traveling light or he chose the nails, he – mentioned the woman at the well or he referenced her and I have in the spreadsheet the chapter the title of the book and so I'll go through and see how did he tell the story or how did he introduce it I'm a huge Lucado fan so I say that to say any book he writes is excellent I just read a book on leadership and basically I guess organizing your life called addicted to busy by Brady Boyd which completely floored me it it pretty much told me that I have an addiction and that addiction is either being busy or just being needed. And I need to, I need to let God have that. So that's an excellent book to read, to help with our time management, but also more than that with our, our value coming from who we are in Jesus, as opposed to what we can do for other people. I highly recommend any minister, any young minister, aspiring minister, read Addicted to Busy by Brady Boyd. Excellent book. Okay, I will definitely have to check those out. Um, are you a yeah. a Mark Batterson fan? Have you read The Circle Maker or anything of that nature? Okay, I'm about to I'm about to reveal a very noticeable chink in my armor, okay. and that is I I I have read part of it, but unless a writer can really grab my attention. Wow. For the most part, I'm not going to finish a book. And that's a flaw. That's not something to be proud of. That's just a flaw in me. I, like I said, I've read every Locato book cover to cover. and But I have three Philip Yancey books that I'm in the middle of, and I can't finish one of them. Wow. Because I ju- it just doesn't grab my attention. I, I read a lot for inspiration and a little for entertainment. And I do read for transformation. But So Batterson – and God bless you, Mark Batterson, if you listen to this, <laughs> just his writing style has not been storyteller enough for me gotcha. to grab my attention. And again, that's I'm a spoiled reader. I've had Luke, I've had a steady diet of Lucado all my life. So 
I'm spoiled, but... Well, he's known for using history a lot, and so he'll he'll tell a long story in history, and then he he'll finally bring it home. But if you don't stick around, <laughs> if you don't stick around, and and he never takes yeah, it home, yeah. I can totally un- relate to what you're saying. Um, yeah, I just finished a book by him called If, uh, and okay. uh, it's it's a great book. We just gave it to our students. I've I've read about three or four of his books now, but. Um, Maybe maybe one of these days, if if you can get through the first couple chapters, um, I, <laughs> I I found that if was his best attempt at capturing your attention. Uh, he starts right off on the Eiffel Tower and kind of draws you in. So maybe you could start with that one. Oh, cool! And, hey, I will give I will give that a shot. And, and another and, book I read. Yes, sir. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Another book I read that's also along the lines of that that kind of humor but excellent transformation is called not a fan by Kyle Eidelman. He, he just sprinkles these little humor vignettes in there. What I call them, I call them verbal drive-bys where you just throw out a little humor and keep on going. Well, he does that. He also does that through footnotes and stuff. So that's a great book. But once again, the writing style is very casual, very humorous, but when he needs to punch you in the heart, he can do that. That's amazing. I've actually read that one. That's a great book. And That's a great book. I was, I was not, you know, when the Circle Maker came out, ev- you know, everyone was, you know, jumping on that, and and oh I, yeah, I, I read a little bit of it, and I and I eventually finished it. But what actually ended up making me a Batterson fan was he wrote a sequel called Praying Circles Around Your Children. And I, I read it, oh, okay. I read it right when I became a dad. And so my, my wife, Rachel and I have a little boy named Judah and, and we have another little boy on the way. So that book really hit home with me and, and made me a fan. <laughs> okay. Excellent. But, uh, well, brother LJ, I'm going to close with this question. I know that, that you have a busy schedule and I'm so thankful for the time that you've given us already today. Um, but what advice would you like to give this upcoming generation of apostolic Pentecostals as a new generation, are there any warning signs that you can help us with? My advice is walk with God. As far as what the generation is looking for, I know a lot of the young adults, young students are looking for that opportunity to preach a big service or a big obviously youth congress and that kind of thing but all of that comes after you've had this faithful consistent walk with god every day just spending time with him knowing him loving him following him and then he opens the doors what scares me is when i see young guys try to get the ministry ahead of the relationship with god then they usually will shipwreck though i've never seen anybody successfully be used by god who was only working for him. Everybody I've ever seen who had a successful successful ministry, and I mean that in the terms of faithfulness, not necessarily can preach the paint off the walls or has a large following, but somebody who has a power with God first has a walk with him. Any, a lot of guys can just scream and yell and get response, but I want somebody who's preaching to my kids and my students and my daughters I want them to walk with the Lord, even if they don't have that personality, but they have that walk. That's what I want. So my advice to this generation would be just walk with Jesus, 
know him, love him, and let him open the doors for you when he and you are ready for those doors to open. Thank you much, so much, Brother Harry. I'm so thankful for this time that we have had together. Would you mind, I, I don't ask all my guests to do this, but would you mind closing us out uh, in prayer and just pray over our audience today? I'd be honored to. Thank you, sir. Lord, Lord Jesus, we love you. I thank you, God, for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you for every listener. I thank you for this next generation. I pray put within their hearts a love for you, a desire to know you, a desire to walk with you. I ask you, God, to open the doors for them, but only after they have spent time with you, walking with you. I pray for those who are seeking direction, that you would speak to them and give them direction, that they would know your will for their lives. Those who have graduated and are seeking to know where to go and what to do, I pray, God, as they walk with you, that you would reveal the path you have laid out for their steps. I ask you today, Lord, bless Brother Nathan in this podcast. May it minister and impact and influence generations. I ask you to do that for us, Lord, and for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Harry, I'm so thankful for your ministry. I'm so thankful you. for your friendship and uh, for everybody listening. Uh, stop what you're doing right now. Go subscribe to the Simplify Podcast. It's available on Podbean and anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts. It's going to be the best five minutes of your entire week. Brother Harry, I love and appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, Brother French. Same here. I appreciate that. Thanks for letting me be a part. God bless you, brother. Have a great day.